0: Hello. So we have two guests joining us today, both from the university system in Texas, Dr. Archie Holmes and Dr. Chris Brownson. Welcome to the Quadcast.
1: Glad to be here. Thank you.
0: So Dr. Holmes is the Executive Vice Chancellor for Academic Affairs for the University of Texas system. Prior to that, he was Vice Provost for Academic Affairs at the University of Virginia. Dr. Chris Brownson is a counseling psychologist and associate vice president for student affairs at the University of Texas at Austin, where he is also director of the Counseling and Mental Health Center. So you guys have some tremendous experience and we're excited to dig in and talk about what's going on in Texas and in the field writ large. So, okay, if we do Archie and Chris and stick to first names, guys?
1: That would be great. That's my preference.
0: Okay, good. Archie, I'm going to start with you because there's some great news coming out of Texas, and that is that the UT Board of Regents just announced a $16.5 million investment in student mental health, student safety, and alcohol education resources. This is an Awesome investment, right? And I understand that you were instrumental with your role there at the system. Can you tell us a little bit more about this effort, where it came from?
2: Sure. Thanks, Mark, for for that. Chris and I have been working on this for a little while, so I'll ask him to fill in some of the details. But our board for over a decade now has invested multiple times in these areas. It started, I think, in the area of alcohol awareness, But as the needs of our students have changed over time, they have always been receptive to ideas about how can we best support 240,000 plus students that we have in the UT system. So I started in this role in October of 2020, and Chris and Wanda Mercer, who served as the Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs here at the system, gave a presentation on the status of the last allocation of money to the board in February of 2021. And I remember very distinctly at the end of that meeting, one of the regents talked to Chris and Wanda and basically said, if you need something more, let us know. And so Chris and I have been working over the last year to define what that more is. And again, Chris can give you a lot more of the details about what we've been seeing across our system in terms of the needs of, in these areas for our students. But the end result is that we work together, Chris worked with all of our campuses, the counseling centers, the student affairs offices, and this really is a collaborative effort about what have we learned over those last 11 years that needs to continue, what are we seeing that we need in order to be able to put forward to support all of our students going forward. I will also say that we involved our student advisory committee, who has been a strong advocate at the system level for the needs of this in terms of helping to determine what these things are. And so I was very fortunate to be able to present this $16.5 million ask to our board at its May meeting and was very happy that they have continued to agree that this is an important investment that they make on behalf of our students throughout the season.
0: Well, that's great, Archie. You guys clearly are the dynamic duo on this and the results are, are outstanding. Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about it? I I understand then that you sort of expanded beyond your role just at UT Austin and was really speaking for the system around what it is that you needed and what this investment might go for. So, So tell us a little bit about your role there.
1: Yeah, well, we've been so fortunate to receive the system support and specifically the Board of Regents, as Archie said, has been so supportive of student mental health and well-being for well over a decade in doing these initiatives and so we have a great process in place you know here at, at UT Austin we've been leading these initiatives over that period of time and we'll continue to do so with this next allocation and we keep in very close touch with the other campuses and and try to keep a pulse on what's going on there and collaboratively have come to this place of deciding what would be helpful to be able to further the efforts on our individual campuses and so With these allocations, what we always do is we try to have them be standardized enough so that everybody is getting the same benefit, but different enough so that the cultures of each campus and the individual needs of each campus in the system are really taken into and each campus can kind of make the particular allocation their their own and fit the, fit the needs that they have. So it's a delicate balance and one that we've been really proud to lead here at, at UT Austin.
0: That's great. And I'm assuming then from a public policy perspective that this commitment has a lot to do with what's really going on, right, with students. This is what we cover uh, nationally, but I'm sure you're experiencing the same thing there in terms of the disturbing prevalence rates around anxiety and depression. So comment on that if you would, Chris, and also talk a little bit about what the landscape is there, both system-wide and what you're seeing on your campus.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all somewhat familiar with the statistics that point to these rising mental health concerns amongst college students. And nationally, if you look at the five years before the, the pandemic, we were seeing increases in in loneliness. In one particular survey, when it was asked of students uh, in the past year, have you ever been so depressed, it's difficult to function? Students endorsed that at 35% greater rates in that five year period. Overwhelming anxiety increased by 26%. Seriously considering suicide increased by 63%. So we've been seeing these increasing trends pre pandemic. And then, of course, when the pandemic hit, we all know both, you know, from our own personal experiences and those we care about, that those issues have gotten even worse. And so on, on our campus specifically, Before the pandemic, every year um, for the previous 10 years, we had seen a steady increase of about 10 percent more students each year seeking services from us. And the concerns that they were seeking services for were growing in in acuity and seriousness as as well. And during the pandemic, from surveys we've done with our students here on on campus, we've seen a 28 percent increase in, in their help seeking during the pandemic. But what's been interesting is that during the pandemic, because of shifts in terms of where people are and and intentional efforts on our part to offer different kinds of services, we've seen a 63 percent in students increasing their help seeking from providers in their hometowns and nearly one and a half times more seeking resources from places that are not counseling centers. And that is great news because we are wanting to use all the assets in our communities to help support students. And one of the things that we started was a relationship with a telehealth vendor that also allowed us to extend our resources so that they had more options of providers to work with them. That allowed us over this last academic year to, to provide services to an additional 780 students that we otherwise wouldn't have reached. And so these kinds of programs that we've been putting into place are just really allowing us to expand the impact that that we have with our students.
0: So there's a lot going on there, obviously, Chris, and I'm sure you, like a lot of counseling center directors around the country, are trying a lot of different strategies. It sounds like, you know, obviously telehealth is one and we see that. So talk a little bit about your approach to student well-being writ large there. I know a lot of campuses are really thinking more about taking a public health lens. They're thinking more about preventative strategies. Is that part of your approach there as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we have been, for a long time now, really focusing heavily on prevention. And that's been a A key part of our efforts here on campus, there was a recent report out from the National Academies of Science that was talking about working with student mental health and well-being. And one of those main recommendations that came out of that was the idea that mental health and well-being is not just a counseling center issue. This is a campus-wide effort of campus-wide importance and that everybody in the campus community has a part to play in that. And so on our campus, one of the things that we've launched recently that we're really excited about is this program called Wellbeing and Learning Environments. And what this program does is we have staff at the Counseling Center who actually work with faculty across campus and in all different colleges, teaching them about how to embed elements of well-being into the classroom. Knowing how important it is that that students are learning in well environments and inclusive environments and environments where they are able to really grow and learn in a way that, that also values their own mental health and well-being. And that's been very popular from our faculty. We've launched initiatives that are related to changing the campus conversation about substance use and misuse in a program that we have called Shift, which is about shifting the culture and the conversation in those spaces. Peer support programs, where we have peers supporting each other and teaching them how to do that. Not everybody who struggles needs to come in to get a counseling session. A lot of that can be really successfully handled with supportive peers and supportive allies across campus. So those are some of the kinds of things that we have been doing in the prevention space.
0: That sounds great. You have a program there called Thrive at UT. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, well, Thrive is one of the six areas of the UT system allocation that Archie was referencing earlier. And Thrive at UT uh, is an app that we created here at UT Austin, um, which has uh, been, a, been a really great resource um, and one that we've now been able to Launch at all of the uh, other academic campuses and and I think some of the health institutions as well in our system, um, and and it's a free app. It's designed to enhance UT student well being and just kind of help students navigate through challenging times. So uh, the app helps users make small changes in their routines that can have really powerful long term impacts. They'll find short videos of students sharing their own stories. And then there's these interactive activities that are designed to help them apply concepts to their own unique experiences in these different learning domains, like mindfulness and how your thoughts impact your moods and other sorts of kind of you know cognitive behavioral principles that are just helpful to learn for for anybody in order to just be more more well.
0: Chris, do you see these approaches? also as bridges to care. And I want to mention I have kind of a a point to that, which is I want to talk a little bit about the treatment gap, because every time we talk to a counseling center director, I can't help but bring it up because it really is a pervasive problem. So some of the work that you're doing around, particularly the peer-to-peer work, right, that can be a bridge to getting students who are seeking help less frequently into the fold. So the treatment gap of course i'm referring to is for students particularly of marginalized identities including students of color first generation students low income students and lgbtq plus students who report similar if not more acute levels of distress yet are seeking help less frequently right it's some obviously something you must be thinking about
1: oh for for sure and yeah i think you you raise a good point that a lot of these you know preventative efforts can be pathways to to help seeking. And and one point that I want to make uh, before kind of launching into some of the specifics of your question is that I think a lot of people have a, a very well-intended misperception about the role of prevention. I think there's a common narrative that if we do more prevention on our campuses, then it will equate to less help seeking because people are getting what they need from the prevention efforts and it means that they won't need to seek help. Pretty much the opposite of that is what we experience and what we observe, which is that the more that we do these kinds of outreach and prevention-type efforts, what you were just saying is what actually happens is that these these create pathways to, to care. And the fundamental misunderstanding about prevention lowering the numbers that come in is that not nearly everybody that needs to be seeking treatment is seeking treatment. So what these things tend to do is raise... Raise awareness, you know, decrease stigma, you know, increase knowledge about how to even access that care in the first place. And so both of these things are important, providing adequate care on campus and providing these these prevention efforts. So one thing we've been doing, I mean, we really take a, a kind of no wrong door approach on our campus. And instead of just having one location where counseling services are available at the counseling center, we really try to make sure that those are available all over the place. So we have this program called CARE, which stands for counselors and academic residents. So we have a mental health professional embedded in every college and school in our campus. So liberal arts, engineering, McCombs Business School, fine arts, you know, architecture. No matter what your academic department, there is a counselor that's working there with the student affairs staff. And those referrals can be made and you can be seen somebody in your in your building. Instead of having to go over to this kind of central counseling center. We have the same concept in, uh, in, our, in our healthcare environment, where we have mental health providers there working alongside our medical providers. Now embedded with the police, a new program that, that our president and vice president here on the UT Austin campus have funded, which is called M-Heart. Where we have counselors now that are embedded with the police as first responders on mental health calls. And they're co-responding to those situations which allows us to kind of increase the different response options that we have in order to take care of folks in those situations. And then you mentioned such an important one, which is the aspects of of diversity and different identities on our campus. And this has been a real intentional effort for us for a long time here. And we have a service line called Diversity Counseling and Outreach Specialists. And these are counselors who have liaison relationships and expertise working with students of different identity groups that are in marginalized and underrepresented identities here on campus. And I think for students and faculty and staff, knowing that we have those individuals whose job it is to be specifically working with certain populations increases the trust and the credibility for our services and the treatment outcomes. And and we've seen this in our numbers over the last 14 or 15 years. We have made substantial gains in reaching students of color, particularly on our campus. We've had an increase of 217% in Black and African-American student clients coming to the Counseling Center, a threefold increase among Asian and Asian-American students who are coming in to seek services, two and a half times with Latinx and Hispanic students. So you can really see the ways in which having a Counseling Center that has a representative staff of the identities that are in your community really leads to more students of those identities coming in and seeking services.
0: Right. Boy, it sounds like you're making some very good progress and on a very important issue. And I can't help but think, Chris, all of this information is so instructive for others. So do you have, is this all included in your website? Because there's so many Best practice examples here.
1: Sure, yeah, our website is is our main communication tool, or one, or one of them. That and, and social media. So we ha- do have information about all these different programs on our website, and in varying levels of detail, of course. And we are often consulting with other campuses, talking about these programs, just as we go out and consult and talk to our colleagues about what they're doing. So we have a vibrant learning community here in in college mental health with a bunch of passionate people about learning about what everyone else is doing and trying to always bring to our campuses the, the best of what's going
0: on. Well, that's that's great. And something that is really valuable for the field. So Archie, I'm going to bring you back in because there's so many things that Chris said that reminded me of another effort that you're very much involved in and Chris probably is as well. And that is this group of leaders throughout the country focused on life transformative education. I couldn't help. But think when Chris was talking about some of the curriculum infusion wellness programs, how similar that is to what the CLTE is is all about, which is really looking at higher ed's role writ large in the thriving of young people both at college and throughout life. So, Archie, what attracted you and and and, and your colleagues there to join up with um, the CLTE folks, and what about that that philosophy really attracted you?
2: Yeah. So, you know, what Chris is really talking about, I think, is something that is fundamental to what we do and should be continuing to do in higher education, which is bringing our expertise in an evidence-based way to make the lives of our students, our faculty and staff better. Higher education has always had the promise of you come to us and we are able to get a high-quality education that leads to a very rewarding professional and personal life. And I think that that has been the promise for a long time in higher education. Those of us in CLTE are very committed to that mission, but we also recognize that there are questions out there in society about whether we are fulfilling that mission. And it is really incumbent on us to be able to make that case that we are in fact doing this. My particular interest is recognizing that we cannot look at the diversity of the students that we have in the UT system and just say that we are providing an education as an access point and saying that if we're not attending to all of your needs to make sure that you have an equal opportunity to be able to pursue that education, to be able to have your talents, be successful in that education, and for you to help find a rewarding path both professionally and personally outside. So, that is my commitment to try to figure out how do we make sure we bring these two together. Um, Chris has probably heard me say this before, but you know these are reinforcing activities, right? If we attend to the well-being needs of our students, they will perform better academically and they will be able to be happier, which means that then they will be able to help address those issues that they're going to come up in their perversial lives in this area. And
0: Chris, I'm assuming that you're like-minded in that this sounds like sort of the ultimate public health strategy for what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, correct?
1: Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, the strategy of leading on these efforts through the through the system allows all of the different institutions in the system to learn and grow together and share these kinds of best practices and and it creates that that kind of community where we can all, you know, do do better with the resources that the system's providing.
0: Lots of great stuff going on down there in Texas, guys. I so appreciate you giving us the time today. There's so much to be learned here with this conversation, and I would welcome everybody to go to the UT Austin website and find out more about Chris's great work there. Again, supported so well by by Archie and the system. So Dr. Archie Holmes and Dr. Chris Brownson, thank you so much for your time, and we hope you have a great weekend.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for your interest in our work.
0: This has been the Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to Institute.org where you can sign up for our other programs like the MC feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.